Welcome to uh, the weekend kickoff for week 14. My name is Andrew Spade. Joining me as always, Cody Sweck. How are you, Cody? Evening, pal. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's, it's, it's rainy here, uh, and that's fine. Uh, and uh, it's, it's getting dark at about 5, which is also fine. We're, we're all fine with that. Um, so... <laughs> You know, uh, but but you know, probably the biggest news of the day is that uh, if we choose, we can watch Baker Mayfield play quarterback tonight. Is uh, yeah, the last I saw was that they're going to see how Walford feels in warmups. Has has any other further announcement been made if he's going to play, start, or whatever? Or is that still kind of the status quo? Mayfield's been taking all the snaps in pregame, is what was reported Ooh. just just a little bit ago. So and. Most importantly, it might not matter in, in the long run down the stretch here, but um, Browns need the Rams to win. You know, it's just, just to keep mm-hmm. the, the Raiders, because we keep get the Raiders off of their little hush they had going right now. I think mm-hmm. that's highly unlikely. But as we've seen with him, when he's playing the Bengals or when he comes off this just horrible career low point, um, he'll go out and throw like four touchdowns tonight or something like that. Something ridiculous. Uh, yeah. But, but, but we'll see. I, I really regret that I did not make the joke earlier in the week when he got cut that the Browns should have claimed him just to play him against Cincinnati and then cut him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that he's going to come in and just light the yeah, world on fire, just right? Absolutely torch him. He just does last year's performance again. You know, hits DPJ deep twice or whatever, and then Monday comes around, it's like, oh, thanks, Baker, you've been great, but uh, yeah, we're we're playing a real football team next week in Baltimore, so we'll see you. You know, we're getting, we're going to hitch our ride to, to to the horse that we paid two hundred thirty million dollars. You know, thanks thanks for we're going to pay you two hundred grand for whatever this is today. Right, uh, you'll right. be on your way, and yeah. uh, things will be happy and merry and Merry Christmas right. to you and your family. Right, no hard feelings. Just uh, needed you to <laughs> yeah. meet the Bengals, and that's you know that's it. Um, no, it's yeah, it'll be interesting to see what ha- that looks like tonight. I might watch out of sheer curiosity because. I mean, Baker's been bad this season with time in the playbook. Um, I can't imagine, you know, there's probably some similarities between the McVay, you know, it's different branches of the same tree, right? McVay, right, right, right. what Stefanski did, but um, regardless, coming in cold, not knowing any of your receivers, two days of, of work with the team. I mean, not even, right? Because he got claimed on Tuesday. There's no practice on Tuesday. So he had a practice, maybe a walkthrough yesterday since they're playing today. Yeah, See, we're talking maybe is that like a walkthrough. Th- 36 linear hours, you right. know, from, from trade, yeah. not even right. playing hours. And it's like you said, with even though you might run a similar style of offense, terminologies are different for every single situation. You might call one thing this, you might call one thing this. Um, so, so we'll see what, with that. And even if the playbooks are similar, it's going to be very diluted playbook because you can't. Right have all these nuances and audibles and different calls and different uh, choice routes or whatever you want to do that, that McVay might handle definitely than what Stefanski does or does or what McDaniel does or something like that. Um, so if he does play, if he does start watered down dry type playbook, yeah. uh, just kind of do what it was. I saw a, uh, I saw a tweet earlier today regarding him on the Rams, kind of like a long-term outlook thing is, you know, He's going to turn Cooper Cup into, into DJ Moore. You know, so that kind of made me laugh out loud. Uh, but, yeah, he's uh, – just yeah. when you doubt him, he's just when you start to doubt him, he'll come out and do mm-hmm. something crazy. And, I uh, would not like, put it past him. And yeah, it would be, you know, at this point, it would be good for him, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's going to struggle to find a job next year, even as a backup, because of, you know, legitimate concerns sure. about his ability to do that job and take that job seriously. And so – 
this is an opportunity to turn somebody's head and it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens, you know, uh, not only tonight, but the rest of the season in LA, because they kind of have nothing to lose. They might as well give them a little bit of a spin. And if he shows something, him staying in LA, Jack, our, our colleague, Jack Duffin has been predicting that for weeks that him backing up Stafford next year makes a ton of sense that that might be a longer term solution for them after Stafford moves on. And, uh, you know, shout out to Ian here for getting a, a I'm realizing what I'm looking Wait, at here is a picture of him. It's, he's warming up. That, that's what he looks like currently, basically. So that's a good job by Ian having that ready for us, because that's almost as good as live video. Literally up to the second graphics here yeah. from Ian, Ian, the producer, incredibly yeah. well done. And, and mm-hmm. just with Baker, um, I do see him as a high end career backup mm-hmm. type trajectories where he's going kind of like a Chase Daniel but I think he's better than Chase Daniel, kind of like a thing like that, make some money, do some mm-hmm. spot starts, and do average to above average when you are called upon. Sure. But, yeah, Jack, that's a great call by Jack to um, end in Los Angeles. I know their right. record's not what it should be this year, but a team that's pretty built with a pretty good roster to win some games. Yeah. And you don't want to have Stafford later on in his career go down your season's over, which is right. what they're looking at right now with Walford coming in. Right. Uh, so it definitely makes perfect sense him going to a contending type team and mm-hmm. being their moderately priced backup for sure makes perfect yeah. sense. Uh, and then maybe down the road things start to click again and he and he gets that starting spot like a Geno type situation. Right. Yeah, and that's that's probably what he should hope for at this point. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's a it's. It'll be interesting to see tonight. We've got some people in the comments saying they're going to watch. It's probably as much. Um, oh, this is a good point by Manimal. He'd be great on College Game Day, and I think that's a great point. He, he's got that. He's got that McAfee personality yeah. to him. He like, I'm a big McAfee guy. He went to WVU. You know, he was he was at the school the same time I was. So you know, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of love there for sure. him on that level. But I think he does a great job. He kind of saved College Game Day from my perspective from it becoming mm-hmm. a lot of these other shows are getting so dry across the yeah. board that become hard to watch. He brings that energy. And Baker's got that just a little bit enough of arrogance kind of to him with mm-hmm. the blend of charisma to kind of fill that kind of role on a show for sure. Yeah. Uh, Long term, I could see that being something he would do. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he might, you know, depending on how things go for him over the next year or two, he might see that as a more attractive future to uh, spending a long, long time, you know, cause I think he could, he could potentially be one of those guys for 20, 30 years. Whereas, you know, his ceiling in the NFL, as you said, is pretty low. So, all right, um, that's a, that's a, that's enough Baker Mayfield chat for now. Um, let's let's pivot and talk about the injury report um, that just came out because the Browns have some injury news this week. Um, uh, you know, I, probably the 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 highest profile injury was uh, Sione Takitaki was diagnosed with a torn ACL, so he's done for the year. Uh, and then Anthony Schwartz was uh, put on the IR to make room because they kind of have a wide receiver crunch right now, numbers wise. So Schwartz is on the IR with a concussion, which means he's going to miss at least four games. And, um, you know, that's, I mean, there's five games left. I did the math for you. So that, that would mean that he would be left with one game at the end of the season. Yeah. Yep. I didn't Cody's carry the it. one. I didn't yeah. carry the one. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do professionally again, Cody? Remind me. <laughs> I'm an accountant. So I do, you know, uh, something with numbers, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so those are the two, two players that moved to IR. They signed, uh, Reggie Ragland off of the, uh, I think it was the, was it the chiefs practice squad? Um, and then, uh, 
and then they and then they uh, they signed or wa- claimed Jalen Darden off of waivers from the Buccaneers. So uh, talk about those two guys, the new guys that they've added to the roster this week, especially Darden. Yeah, I think we saw in that game, and it's something that Anthony was talking about. With you know, Anthony does great stuff with with snap counts and who's on the field at what times and what personnel groupings and stuff. So if you guys don't check that out, he does a on Twitter. He does kind of a graphic recap, and we do our piece on Monday mornings or the day after the games. Check that out. It's phenomenal stuff and a graphical representation that's easy to, to digest. But uh, not to divert too far, but we saw them last week run into serious issues where okay, Bell goes down. Schwartz goes down. Now you're bringing in Demetric Felton into a role playing in the slot where, you know, I think we had some hopes for him after his rookie season. We saw him do some things like some, some orbit motion, some exit motion, a little bit of uh, some screens out of the backfield and making some yard after the catch with those plays. But ever since those first, you know, handful of plays he made, he hasn't done anything. You know, he's, he's almost just like a body taking up space out there. There's nothing against mm-hmm. him. I think he's just, just put, put into a role that he's not really – capable of fulfilling at this point in the Browns offense. So you can't go into this week with Schwartz on IR, Bell banged up. He's practiced. We'll see if he's going to play it. I think he's kind of going towards that route of playing this week. So you got to get a guy like Darden who, you know, he's athletic. He's got some speed, um, really been kind of a punt returning type guy at this point. One of the better ones this season, but receiving wise, uh, I highly recommend a piece that Jake wrote today. It seems like he has the abilities and the capabilities to run all the routes necessary for an NFL wide receiver. He just really hasn't done it. You know, he's only had 14 targets in two seasons and eight catches. So that's, that's a nothing sample size. You can't do anything with to evaluate a player, but um, he's a, and it's like Jake said, a low risk, high ceiling. Sure. Why wouldn't you claim a guy like that? Who hasn't really done, been on the field that much at this point. There's no risk to you throwing your eggs in those type of baskets that could pay off wonders uh, down the stretch. Um, So he might get some time this week. Uh, That's my long winded way of saying that he might get some, that he might get some time with Schwartz missing. Uh, You can't go in with three receivers. You know, it's not going to work three receivers in Felton, I should say. So that's that one. And Reggie Raglan, God's been around. You know, he's played at a pretty reason, pretty reasonable level at this point. I don't expect him to really, and from my point of view, to make that big of an impact, uh, mm-hmm. I see Deion Jones kind of stepping into that tucky talky role sure. at Mike uh, for uh, probably the rest of the season, I would say. Uh, it's a shame to see with talky talky a guy kind of playing his way into another contract, some would mm-hmm. say. Maybe not here, but definitely for another team with the way that he gets towards the ball. He's a high-energy, high-tackle kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see Deion Jones stepping in there, Raglan just being a, a depth kind of play right now, and you hope you're not on their fourth, fifth, sixth Mike linebacker by the end of the season. I don't know how you feel about him. Yeah, well, no, I think that's that's right. I just, I, you know, it's 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 just good to kind of review people, you know, for people that aren't as familiar with the names. I mean, you know, Ragland, yeah, he's, he's just kind of another guy, but he's a veteran. He's been around and done it, and so, you know, he could probably step in if, I mean, they, they've had so much injury, bad luck at that position, you, you know, you, you almost don't want to say, you know, if anybody else got hurt, but that, I mean, Deion Jones, you know, he's, he's still playing with one arm. He's got that shoulder injury that obviously isn't healed. And so they might feel like as far as stuffing the run, Ragland is a better option off the, off the street, basically, because Jones just is, is not the physical presence that he once was. And so, um, you know, they ask their, 
sort of run fit linebacker not to do too much schematically. So it could be a situation where that guy comes in on, on Tuesday and is on the field on Sunday. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, I think everything you said about Jalen Darden is, is right. He's a, a player that definitely fits that niche of a guy that you get more excited about than you probably should, you know, like he's probably not going to actually do much and he's probably going to end up waived, you know, in the off season or, or maybe at the end of training camp next year. But, you, you're kind of tempted because he's a fourth round draft pick at a team that had a lot of talent at the position that kind of kept him off the field. Uh, there wasn't ever a need for him to play. And he fills a role within the offense to your point that they don't, they don't really have filled right now. And so there's a spot, but um, you know, it would take a lot from, for him to kind of come in and contribute right away, but you'd like to dream, right? Yeah. I think the only way he's going to play meaningful snaps this week is if bell can't go or if he's limited Right. Uh, limited capacity if he is active type thing. Right. I still probably think they're going to put Felton in there, uh, at yeah. least for this week, and maybe have on some limited snaps. But Darden, I kind of feel the same about Tyler Johnson on that Buccaneers mm-hmm. receiving squad. They have so many top-heavy guys there for, for Brady to target. Uh, yeah. I, I still have a lot of like a Tyler Johnson. Now, he was a guy like I was looking at the trade deadline to maybe mm-hmm. the, the Browns would target. But, uh, you know, take Darden, see what happens, both low-risk guys. Uh, and you might be right with Raglan. With the way Jones is yeah. hampered by that arm, that I mean, if things go yeah. south quickly, they didn't throw him in right. there, man. He's, he's experienced, like you said, he's been around, yeah. played at a reasonable level, not can do it. pretty much average, but right, you know, guy can do it. I think right. I don't think we all kind of expected the fall off from Walker to be to Walker right. and Talkie Talkie, and after that, you know, it, it's it's a pretty big fall off. Um, so we'll see what happens on Sunday with, with both those guys. Yeah, no, and uh, you're right. And it's been, it's, it's been, you know, the defensive tackle room has been problematic because they haven't had good players all year. They haven't rotated much, but the players that have been playing aren't good. The linebacker room, they probably had the right players at the beginning of the season, but almost all of those players are hurt now between Anthony Walker and now Sione Taki Taki. And, um, you know, I mean, Jacob Phillips obviously couldn't do it, but, you know, he's, he's been lost to injury as well. It's just a lot of injuries to a position that they didn't have a ton of depth at. And so, uh, you know, you can't you kind of can't prepare for that going into the season. So it'll be I think one of the things that'll be interesting to see in this offseason is how they recalibrate that room. And the defensive tackle room where, you know, from one perspective, the linebacker room, it's been hit with a lot of injuries and there's been ups and downs. But really, considering how much they've had to test their depth, it's been okay compared to the defensive tackle room where they haven't really moved players around that much. And it's been bad no matter who's been in there. So it's, it, it's kind of interesting to contrast those two positions where they haven't invested much and uh, they've had bad results this year, but for different reasons. Yeah. I think the linebacker position just a couple of years ago was the D tackle position. Now it was everybody like, right. this is a disaster. One of the worst groups in the league. Now right. you've got JOK playing, uh, Kind of hit or miss every week. I still think Joe K has a great career ahead of him mm-hmm. uh, for the Browns. We've been hit or miss this season. I think probably a lot of that, specifically, relates to relates to the play of that interior, uh, yeah. kind of pushing him back out of his mm-hmm. position where he would usually be. Yeah. Uh, and he's guessing so, too much too, right? He's, he's exactly jumping out of his lane too often. Yeah, so I kind of see the long term outlook similar to what Jack does. If you guys read his pieces each week, uh, a JOK. Uh, Walker uh, type of blend at that position uh, going forward. And something I want to say that backtracking to the receivers that Larry Bedouin mentioned, Woods will play more. That's a name I I didn't mention. Um, I would expect him to be active. Um, I think he's, 
he showed a couple of things when he's been yeah. active, when he's been targeted. Uh, could have had a touchdown on the, on the Amari Cooper throw that he was trying to get that to do out of bounds. But uh, that's a good call by Larry there as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting with, with Mike Woods because he was active earlier this year and got a little bit of run, was on the field at times, and then has been act- inactive the last two weeks, which suggests that maybe he wasn't doing the right things. You know, and I, I'm speculating here. That's just to be clear, that's total speculation. But yeah, typically, you know, the way that works is he was inactive at the beginning of the year, started to work his way into the trust of the coaching staff and get on the field. And then all of a sudden to take that back step at two weeks in a row and be inactive is is concerning because he's probably you know, if you if you consider DPJ established, you've got Cooper, Woods might be the youngest the young receiver with the most promise on the team. Uh which is I mean yeah. part of that speaks to the lack of, of talent, you know, coming into that position for the most part. I mean, Schwartz being a bust is is a part of that, right? But there's, there's nobody on the practice squad that you're super excited about. There's nobody, you know, that's like injured for the year that we're not thinking of. I mean, there's that the, the UDFA out of Northern Iowa, Isaiah Weston, but yeah. I'm not, you know, expecting anything from those kind of guys. So it's like, is, is he the, the, of the players on the team, the developmental receiver with the most upside? I think it's now between him and the guy that they just brought in yesterday, Jalen Darden, right? Probably. I mean, with Woods, you hope he doesn't follow like the Rashard Higgins pathway of things where, you know, he was a fan favorite at one point. Everybody loved Rashard Higgins in the rapport we had with Baker. The dude just made plays consistently over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Then with last year, all of a sudden he's inactive, you know, reports of him being unhappy or undisciplined or, or, or or disagreements with the coaching staff and things like that. So I hope that's not what's happening. I have no idea what's happening with Michael Woods. No clue. Uh, this is just speculation of what's going on there. Uh, I know he's only been active for six games this year, mm-hmm. and he hasn't played more than 13 snaps in any of them. Um, week 10 against Miami was his highest snap count of 13. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of agree that it's him and Darden who are your high upside kind of guys because at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that Schwartz is definitely a bust and that, you know, you saw him – get that reverse, score that touchdown in Jacoby's yeah. last game there uh, against Tampa. And then you think, okay, maybe maybe Stefanski was kind of saving him. You know, maybe right. this was a, was a build-up to a Watson-type thing. Now we can bring him into the full with some jet motion, some handoffs, some reverses, right. some right. screens, some downfield shots. But then he fumbles that ball last week. Uh, he almost dropped that ball. I mean, it hit him right yeah. in the hands, and it almost bounced off hit him with the shoulder pads, almost bounced off the shoulder pad. So I don't think – I, I, I think we're almost too far gone with him, in my opinion. Uh, then with Bell, I don't know. I, I just it don't know. It seems like there's much upside there. It seems he like catches the ball, and that's yep. it. Right. You know, that's just right. – there's right. no yak. There's no explosion, right. which is good. Yeah. You catch the ball, great. That's your job. Right. Just catch the ball for one. Right. You should be catching it. Right. Uh, but I think it was kind of, with Bell, it was kind of like Watson's first game. Like, oh, man. This guy's gonna get a thousand yards and eighty catches. He's gonna be mm-hmm. awesome. He's maybe right. be the wide receiver. Maybe gonna be the X or or sorry, gonna, gonna be gonna be the slot guy this year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Still, lots of time for to evaluate him. But I, I don't disagree that Woods and Darden might be the guys to watch for during these last five games. Yeah, Philly has an interesting point here in the chat. Uh, he thinks that they drafted Bell to take over for DPJ as a contested catch guy on the outside, which I don't really see based on what I've seen from Bell so far. I don't think he has the size to do that in the NFL. I mean, he did it at Purdue, but 
I don't see that at, uh, and, and then to this point, but now who knows? Cause yeah, the th- you know, thumb thing. I mean, like you said, he's practicing, but maybe he's not back this week. And so we'll see the other injury news. I wanted to mention quickly is David Njoku um, said publicly yesterday that he's back this weekend, which is obviously huge news because we talk about it all year. It's really Amari Cooper, David Njoku, and then DPJ. And that's that as a one, two, three is a pretty good group of pass catchers. But you see, you know, even against the Texans, really, uh, when you're down to just Cooper and DPJ, it's a little bit, it's thin, right? And there's not really a good third option. So they really need all three of those guys because they don't really have depth. I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? Is they, they don't have, it's not like Tampa where they've got four or five guys clamoring to get on the field. Right. It's kind of more like they need all three of their guys because as soon as they have to go to somebody who's not on the field, it gets, it gets ugly, frankly, you know, because Schwartz can't do it. And like you said, Bell is a catch and fall down guy. He's an, he's an Austin Hooper in a smaller body, you know, and <laughs> behind that, there's really nothing. And so uh, David Njoku being back really helps the chances of the Browns beating the Bengals. I think. I mean, the dude's having a career year. We mentioned this before yeah. on this and, and uh, throughout this whole season, it was just, we, yeah. we were waiting for Njoku with all the athleticism, the physical attributes he has to pull it all together and become the guy he, he we thought he could be. And he's, absolutely done that he's having a career year he's had his highest receiving grade his career 84.8 highest yards per route run 1.89 he's catching around almost 80 percent of balls thrown his way uh having a heck of a year and i think with njoku we need to look back also to 2020 with watson with how much he targeted yeah. his tight ends uh in houston point. and how successful those guys were i'm trying to pull it up here it is so in 2020 Texas tight ends had 75 receptions, 99 targets, 913 yards, and seven touchdowns. Pharaoh Brown on the Browns now was part of that crew. Right. But none of those guys really on that roster. No. Jordan, I think Jordan Franklin might have been, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Jordan, yeah, Jordan Akins, yeah. Yeah, that's it. None yeah. of them really stand those out. Those were the two main like, guys. Those were the two uh, main guys yeah. that year. Yeah. Those are like – yeah. Those aren't our on tight ends. Those are, those are Harrison oh, Bryant. I was Bryant, just you know? about to say, that's Harrison yeah. Bryant and it's literally Farrell Brown. <laughs> yeah, and, and literally Farrell Brown. But nothing against those guys. Like no. having him on the team, but they're, they're right. not Njoku. Right. They're not Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. They're not those guys. Uh, so yeah. having him back as really, like you said, the number two um, right. to target in this offense will only help. Um, and it always it's always going to come back to, to, to Watson and how – acclimate how quickly he can get reacclimated and mm-hmm. I hate the word rust coming to cliche at this point shake all that Oof, off yeah, and, yeah. And, and and it's going to be gradual uh, I don't mm-hmm. I'm a person that thinks it's going to be gradual I don't think it's going to be a, a light bulb moment holy crap here he is type thing I think we'll see some flashes of that but I expect the gradual increase up the rest of the season but to go back mm-hmm. having Njoku active is only going to help uh, right. this offense score some points in a week where they're going to need to against the Bengals offense. It certainly feels like it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that I, – I, I want to talk about Watson and Rust and everything, but, you know, I, I, I want to pick up a question from further up in the chat here, and I just have to find it. And it's from it's from uh, Jay in the, in the YouTube chat. Is there anything Joe Woods can do to save his job? And I want to talk about that because, you know, you mentioned they're going to have to do – I'll leave it up for a second. They're, they're going to have to do something offensively this week because – the Bengals offense right now is clicking at a high level. They've really kind of figured out their run game. Uh, oh, there he is. There's Joe. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and, and Jamar Chase is back. Obviously he didn't play in, in week eight uh, in, in Cleveland. They're at home. 
It doesn't look like weather's going to be an issue. So to me, it feels like the number's probably close to 30, right, in terms of what the Bengals are going to score, some, somewhere in the high 20s to, to 30. And so, you know, we can t- we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about the offense and what Watson can do, because that's obviously part of this, right, is, is just outscoring them. But we know kind of from what we saw in Houston that if it wasn't for the defense playing as well as it did, the Browns probably lose that game, or at, at the very least, it's close right down to the wire. So, you know, that was an impressive performance by the defense, but it was also pretty fluky. Um, so Woods gets some credit maybe for that, maybe not a lot because it's the Texans, worst team in the league. But if he, I, here's here's my premise for this. If he shuts down Joe Burrow again and the Browns beat the Bengals and then, and then you know, they play either Lamar Jackson hurt or Tyler Huntley healthy and he makes the Ravens offense look bad again and they sit at seven and seven, I think we're going to be really close to having that conversation about Joe Woods again, because I, I, so I guess the way I would put it is I think that right now he has to prove a lot, but I do think that if he does the right things over the next five weeks, he could save his job. I think there's a, that what you just outlined, I think there is a pathway for him to come back next season. And it's doing all those things you just said, come out this week, contain a Bengals offense that's playing as well as any offense in the league right now. I think exactly. they're fourth, fourth in EPA per play over the season, third in pass EPA, fourth in, in pass success pass success, success rate. So they're top three, four in L passing and overall offensive metrics. So they're right there with mm-hmm. your Chiefs and your Bills and your Eagles and all those teams. If you come into this week, you contain them with this defense and right. kind of prove it's not fluky. Because if you backtrack a little bit and you look – Houston's the number 30, the 32nd team in offensive EPA this year. The Browns won that game by default last week. Okay. So, in my opinion, just because of the, they're just so bad, the Browns won that game. You play that game against Cincinnati, you're going to lose by 30 this week. Oh, easily. There's no doubt about that. Um, Then you go back to Tampa. Not a great offense this year either. You know, they're the upper half of EPA per play, but they're, they're not that great. They struggle to get going throughout most of the game. So, I'm not ready to buy Joe Woods, if you will, as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, agreed. I feel like it's it's not set in stone. You know, they haven't they have they're not taking the the, the razor <laughs> right and taking yeah. his name they're off not of engraving his office anything. Yeah. quite just yet or or engraving his stone by any means. Right. But I definitely think there is a pathway if you can go into Cincinnati, win that game, play well in defense, go to Washington. Uh, yeah. Play well against Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I think I'm missing a game. The Saints. And the Saints. None yeah. of those teams have great offenses. Right. Not one of them. Right. Well, that's why I say it's really the next two weeks. Right. It is. Yeah. yeah. This is where you yeah. really have to judge somebody yeah. is, over, right. is over these next couple of weeks. I, I think right. you're spot on. I yeah. lean towards them moving on. Sure. Sure. I think players have given some context. Yeah. Um, in interviews and stuff that they've been unhappy with the way things have operated. Uh, But to say that he can't save his job, I I can't say that at this point. Yeah. Well, and and it occurred to me this week that I want two things that might be mutually incompatible, right? Because I still am harboring a dream of the Browns winning, winning out, winning the next five games and making it in the playoffs. Right. But I also don't want Joe Woods back next year. (laughs) 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 You can win every game 33 to 30. 
You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, but but even then, man, like it's going to be really hard to thread that needle because I don't think a playoff team with the way that this team has done business under Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, I don't see a playoff team replacing any of their coordinators in the offseason. It kind of reminds me getting rid of coordinators after winning season to a lesser scale what the Titans just did. Getting rid of yeah, the GM right, when they're right. going to be a playoff team. Right. Probably win their division. Right. Um, and they got rid of the GM. I'm sure there's a lot to that story that mm-hmm. we don't know about. Sure. But it kind of reminds me of that, that it's tough to move on from coordinators if you do make the playoffs or if you have a winning season. I think that is right. difficult. Right. But you have to think that when you do these reviews of the offseason, you review every player top to bottom, every position top to bottom, you review every coordinator, every scout, the whole operation sure. gets reviewed Absolutely. in the offseason. Yeah. And if you take a good hard look, I think they would say that it's probably best for the team to move on uh, and find another coordinator. And I think right. Woods would catch on somewhere else, maybe not sure. as a DC, but quality control, D back, something. Yeah, he's a, he's a great defensive backs coach. I think yeah, he's it, proven it, that over the years. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I think that's probably what's going to happen, but right, you never know. And they are loyalty, loyal. You just don't want to be loyal to a fault. There's a big difference between the two. Okay, but so it just precipitates this question for me because I think we can ask it now, and we don't know the answer. But in a few weeks, we will probably know the answer by the end of the Baltimore game. They're either going to be out of playoff contention, and and Joe's probably on his way out, or they're going to be seven and seven and looking at a really good chance to run the table. So from here. Not, not knowing yet what's going to happen in in Cincinnati or, or in Cleveland against Baltimore, would you rather, and I'm, I'm asking this to chat as well as to you, Cody, would you rather go 10-7 and seven and sneak into the playoffs if it means Joe Woods is back next year, or would you rather finish 8-9, and nine, miss the playoffs, and Joe Woods and Mike Prefer get run, I'll throw in Prefer as a bonus, get run out of town? Uh, give me playoffs any day of the week and bring them back. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think – what I'll say for Woods, okay, this is not excuse time. I don't like excuses. I, I like making up for excuses. No excuses play like a champion, right? Rule number 76. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's say Browns go 10 and 7. They went out. They make the playoffs. What happens there? Whatever happens. Yeah, question mark. Sure. You come back. You, you re-sign Walker. You, you have GOK. You adequately address the interior of the defense with just two average dudes. That's it. Mm-hmm. You get an edge, and then you 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 build upon that defense, and you give them another shot. Right. Maybe you I'm maybe change some of the you know the assistants, the D line coach. Maybe he was yeah. already out the door last year, and then he came Chris back. Klein. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe you you tweak something in the secondary. You know who knows, right? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me yeah, playoffs I, any day of the week. I agree. And uh, I agree because and, in that you scenario, yeah. you're talking about a Browns team that's won seven games in a row going into the playoffs and I mean like obviously the defense could carry them into the playoffs but none of us are are dumb or high enough to think that that's what's going to happen right it's going to be yeah. because Deshaun Watson is playing better um well, even yeah, with right. this game in Cincinnati like the defense will do their part but they need Watson so in that scenario they're seven and0 going into the playoffs over their last seven games and Watson is playing better all, all of a sudden you ha- kind of have to like their chances in the playoffs right that's part of the what's appealing about this uh this vision of the future is that they would be the hottest team in the league and they'd have probably a quarterback playing, you know, really, really high level ball. And so at that point you just kind of take your chances, right? Yeah. To correct myself, it's not Chris Klein. It's Chris Kiffin. 
Yeah, I was going to let that one slide, but Chris Klein Chris is the, Klein guy from is the actor from American Pie. Pie. He's yeah, Oz, yeah, Oz striker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ends up being a uh, ESPN or somebody. I was really, uh, I was all set to let that one roll. I appreciate you going back and cleaning yeah. that up. Dancing with the Stars, that whole thing on, on, on American American Wedding. All right, that's probably my favorite set of comedy movies in history, or probably the American wow. Pie's. Like like okay. of sequels, like of, of a sure, 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 combined sure. Okay. fame, not standalone movies. Uh, but to get back on track here, mm-hmm. uh, backtrack. Yeah, exactly. If <laughs> nice, he believes he's got the but Browns if, going eleven and seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The only way, the only way you're ten and seven is if the Watson improvement is right. drastic and immediate. The yeah. defense isn't going to right. carry you, even right. if you're not going up against the best the best offenses right. down the stretch. That's the only way it's going to happen. So, like you said, if you if you run the table, as yep. thing I, I see highly unlikely. Probably we talked totally. six to six to eight percent chance, maybe, of that happening. Um, yeah, something's happened with that offense. They're just on fire, and then they go right. to the pass. They can make some names for themselves. But it's one thing you just have to go one week at a time, and it starts with this week, and it's a straight uphill battle, uh, 13 feet of snow uh, type type thing to win yep. this game this week. Uh, but it, even if you don't win this week, you're still not technically out of it right. in my eyes. You lose this week, you have to run the table. There's That's 100% oh, certain. You have yep. to. Right. Uh, you're probably still going to miss it 9-8, depending on what happens with the Raiders and the Jets and the Pats and that whole crew. Uh, Colts as well. Yeah, you need uh, so but, much help to get in at nine and eight. It's it's very yeah. very unlikely. But even if even if you lose one of this stretch, it's a good momentum builder towards last year. Um, and I'm going to quote quote something from the from the ESPN analytics article this week about momentum. It said it's it even though you can't see it, it does exist, and you can't right. measure it, it does exist. And that's how I feel about momentum. Um, yeah. Just want to throw that out there as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought that uh, you know. I think that's an interesting hypothetical, right? Because I agree with you that you have to take the playoffs, but long-term and it really kind of crystallizes it, it, it in, in accidentally, I think it kind of clarifies what this season has been about for the Browns. It really is more about next year. You know, as soon as that suspension came down, as soon as we knew it was going to be 11 games for Jacoby Brissett, you know, it almost didn't matter what Joe Woods did. You know, you talk about firing Joe Woods, who, why, who cares? It All that matters is 2023. And so similarly for this, it's like, yeah, so if they make the playoffs in 2022, that would be great, but it's really a bonus. The, the rubber meets the road next year for this team. And so from that perspective, we can't afford to have Joe Woods back next year because you can't afford to start the year two and four, giving games away to teams like the Jets, who, you know, I mean, at the time, we didn't know that they were going to be as good as they were. And they did give that game away despite the fact that the Jets are now a playoff team, probably. Uh, you know, or the game they gave away to the Falcons or the Chargers. I mean, it's a long list, right? Those games feel so, like so long ago. <laughs> they do. It feels like a different yeah. season. Yeah. But my point is, is that, that you can't afford that next year because next year the goal has got to be to win the division. And and to do that, you have to, the goal has to be 11 wins. And the Browns mathematically can't win 11 now. So mm. the season by that standard is a failure in my eyes. And so – it really is all about next year. So I agree with you. Like I'm in the middle of this season and I don't want to see them succeed. So I'm rooting for the playoffs. And if it means Joe Woods is back, I guess that's what happens. But long, pardon me, long-term for the health of this franchise, the best thing that can happen is for Joe Woods 
I, I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude, but it's just true. Yeah. Like he hasn't, he's, he hasn't proven that he can do it. He's in fact, he's proven that he can't do it. Yeah. There are pro- I mean that we've talked about it. There's not, it's not an impossibility if they do make the playoffs to move on from him. I don't think it's an impossibility. I think the likelihood goes way down of, of, yep. of that happening. Uh, but I think we're kind of thinking along the same lines as want the playoffs, but you also don't want to sacrifice the long-term sustainable winning environment and culture that they're trying to create with Watson, especially now um, and sacrifice that just for one season. And it kind of feels like when that, when it was went from six games to 11 games, mm-hmm. you have to figure they kind of took a long, hard look at themselves and said, this is going to be very difficult right. to have a win to not make, not, not even make the playoffs, but to have a winning season. Right. And, and Jacoby kept them in there, man. He, he did all that he could. To try right. to, to try to make that happen, but uh, right. I'm sure that was on their minds. They're not going to come out and explicitly state that in an interview, yep. but I'm sure those conversations happened between yep. uh, Deep Podesta, AB, Haslam, Stefanski, etc., and so on. Yeah. Well, and that I mean, you 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 made the greatest argument for firing Joe Woods right there. Is that if you had told, if I had come back in a time machine and told you in August that what Jacoby Brissett's numbers and PFF grade and CPOE and EPA per play were going to be for his 11 game stretch. What would you have had the Browns record at? Eight and three? Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, if you told me without any knowledge of the shape of what was going to happen with anything exactly. else. Just what Brissett did in a vacuum. That Jacoby was playing as a top 10, top 12 quarterback, seven right. and four at the worst. Right. Because right. We, the opposite of what we thought was going to happen happened. Exactly. It was like the antithesis of all of our beliefs coming into the right. season happened. Right. And that's why carry, Joe Woods has got to yeah. go. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 I mean, like, throw on top of that. That's why there's got to be a, a, a little heat on Andrew Barry, because sure. we we sat here all off season saying, well, we know the defense is going to be at least a, a top half of the league unit. A lot of us were thinking top ten, and they haven't even been close. So oh, that's you know, five. talk about best yeah. laid plans, right? I mean, that's as bad of a miss as a Browns team has had in quite some time. I don't think it's as viscerally disappointing is watching the offense struggle last year because we really thought that was, you know, May- Mayfield had sort of arrived at what he was going to be as a quarterback and Beckham was going to be back healthy. And that felt like a team that, you know, had no business losing games, you know, when the defense did start playing better, uh, no business losing games to the the Steelers or, you know, low scoring games down the stretch. Um, and, and, and this year, if a if the defense is league average, and Brissett plays the way that he does, the Browns are like you said six and five, seven and four, and we're not having a conversation about running the table here. We're saying if Watson can get them to three and three, if he can shake off enough rust to be three and three, uh, they, they'll probably make the playoffs. May, might win the division. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And, and I think my belief uh, is that AB's biggest mistake thus far as GM has been not adequately addressing that interior of that defense, because I think it's been way worse than expected without a doubt. I I think they brought in some guys that are like that, that should be capable enough to get by for this season and address it by quantity over quality type thing and hope one hits. Uh, It didn't work. Uh, Obviously Uh, see it every week that the most novice of a football fan could watch those games and be just like, holy crap, what are we watching on yep. that defensive line? There's no doubt about that. And that is a 
I mean, I love Andrew Barry. I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he's going to be here a very long time. Uh, I think he's like the same age as me, which is incredible to be the position mm-hmm. he is. But um, that defensive line, Miles Garrett, Alex Wright, that's it. Probably yeah. only, and you're being nice, including Winfrey. Alex Wright, frankly. I'm talking about just, just in general, the guys coming back next season. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah, yeah. See, in terms of returning talent, yeah, there's pair, I mean, probably Isaiah Winfrey. Thomas, but what is yeah, that? You know? that? Yeah. You have yeah. one capable player. Right. Coming back on the – you're talking and, about a complete you know, makeover. And, Cody, I will be honest with you. I, I'm i in the same boat as you in terms of my belief in Andrew Berry, but I also, like, have a lot of respect for what John Robinson did in Tennessee. That's yeah. a pretty big name to be out there all of a sudden. Um, Roll right. You know, yeah. And, and so I'm not saying anything, you know, I'm not saying I want Andrew Berry replaced, but uh, when you start thinking about what your team could look like, uh, I mean, John, to me, John Robinson on the GM side is kind of like, you know, uh, Sean Payton on the coach side, right? Or if, uh, you know, if, if, a, if another team that wasn't expected to fire their coach, if the, if the Steelers, for example, or the Ravens fired Tomlin or Harbaugh, you know, not, not that yeah. you're, not that, you as the Browns team want to fire Kevin Stefanski, but that upgrade is, I mean, I think John Robinson is a, in my head, I would have had him as a top 10 GM. I don't, I don't really understand that what happened in Tennessee. Yeah. I think we need to see what, what the story is there. And if yeah. we want to stick with Tennessee for a second, I, I'm, yeah, I'm on the AB boat. I'm not going off the AB boat. That, that's me. Uh, I'm in with him. I, I think he's made some mistakes that are glaring. Uh, he's a young GM kind of finding his way. Um, but I understand what you're saying completely. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's anywhere off base what you're saying. With the Titans, their left tackle may soon be on the market based upon the comments he said today with the, with John Robinson no longer being their GM. He pretty much said there's a decent chance that I won't be on this team next year. Uh, yeah. I know he's a 32-year-old guy. He's better what the Browns got now, right? He definitely mm. is. I, uh, mm. His cap number is probably pretty high. He's averaging about fourteen. Well, I think they got to cut him. Mil- I think they're going to cut year. him. Yeah, because they, they. I was looking at it just now. If they cut him this offseason, they save almost fifteen million. Zero dead mm. cap. Save fifteen million on the cap at his age at thirty-two. Yeah, I could see that happening. But just the name I wanted to think of when I saw yeah. it today. Should the Browns move Wills or whatever happens with that situation? Um, I could see that. Well, it's an issue. You make an interesting point because we, you know, we, we can talk about, I mean, there was, you, you posted them on in, in your, uh, in your preview, I think for, for the, the game against Cincinnati, some of the clips of him that, that Jake posted on Twitter this week of, of uh, or in Slack or whatever of, of Jed Wills just kind of standing around watching football yeah. be played while he was on the field. Best seat in the house, that guy. Um, and, and, you know, it, it really starts to make you wonder what they do long-term because this is the off season where they have to decide whether or not to pick up his fifth year option. And it seems like a no doubter, but one of the things they might decide to do is pick up his right, uh, his, his option and move him to right tackle. Right. Cause he has one more year, right? So he has his 2023 is his fourth year. Right. right. But and the then, option is then you decide the decision yeah. the year before. Yeah. Right. So. Right now, I'm saying there's probably a 90% chance that that's going to be exercised, in my opinion. I, I would yeah. think. Not 90%. He's, he's good enough to be worth he's that. Coming back. I agree with that. He's yeah. coming back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's just a question yeah, where he ends up. Right. If you if you move him to the right side, uh, obviously what he did with Al- at Alabama with Tua as right tackle because Tua was left-handed, so he plays the blind right. side at right side. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I'd be all in on that too, because Coughlin's gone. I mean, I, I yeah. love what Coughlin's done for this team. I think those injuries at his age, he's, they, they're limiting him what he can do now at that yeah. right tackle position. He, he is, yeah, he's lost his contract's stuff. voided. Um, so that's that's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. So you don't want to adjust both sides. Going off season with your franchise quarterback, I don't think it's advantageous to adjust both tackle positions unless you know you can sign or trade some guys on the free agent market or trade market to fill mm-hmm. those positions. Um, yeah, that was just a, that's something I saw today that kind of um, raised my eyebrows a little bit. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. And, uh, you know, I, I see these questions here, you know, Kevin Cycle asking, you know, is it going to is it going to motivate him? You know, Paul Spencer, is that going to make him play harder? I, I think there's a possibility. And the only reason I'll say that is because right ta- tackles still get paid less than left tackles. So mm-hmm. if if <laughs> if Jed wants the most money he can make in his career, he wants to stay at left tackle. And if the Browns come to him and say, we're bringing in Tyler Lewan or Taylor Lewan for one year to play left tackle. You're going to go play right tackle. If you want to move back to left tackle your fifth year, we need to see X, Y, and Z from you this season. I, I'm not. Or if you I, want another contract at all with this right, team, exactly. right. you better you better make your right. view at right tackle. Maybe we keep you there, you know, or, right. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so that's. I, yeah. I'm not saying that that makes the most sense. I think what makes the most sense is for them to go to him and say, we are picking up your fifth year option, but if you want a long-term contract, we need to see this level of effort for you because I think financially it makes sense to give him the fifth year. I don't think right now it makes sense to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah. I think there's a higher chance than not that he's the left tackle for this team next year and they're not moving right. him. That's probably the most, most likely scenario comes back. Fifth years picked up your left tackle. This is make or break, bud. Right. You got a shot. This is it. This is your season. If not, we got to move on um, and you go play somewhere else. But uh, absolutely. The problem with him and it's what drives me insane is that when you, you have wasted talent and you see what in him, some of these games where he comes out and he plays so well for mm-hmm. 85% yeah. of the plays and the other 15% of those clips that Jake shared that I shared in the game preview today of just standing and looking around. It, mm-hmm. it's, it'll drive you insane. It's got to drive Bill Callahan insane when he sees those clips. It's got to come up in that room. Mm-hmm. I don't think – he kind of sparks me up a guy that would call somebody out if you're not doing your job in film room. Oh, for a lot sure. of these coaches do it. Yeah. Uh, you see it on hard knocks. You see mm-hmm. it's like, hey, look at this. Everybody in this room, look at this. This is what you don't do is what right. this is happening in this clip right now. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 that's going to be a very interesting thing to see what happens at, at both those tackle positions um, this offseason and next offseason. This yeah. offseason and next offseason. Right. Yeah, I think if you told me right now that they were going to go into next off next season with Jed at left tackle and James Hudson at right tackle, I would be a little concerned. Hudson's going to get somebody hurt with the, with the way he's played out there this season too. Uh, Jake mentioned yeah. as much as well in Chalk Talk and his film clips. Um, yep. Yeah, so that, that's you that's hope too, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two Matadors. You've got Matadors on both both sides, right? And and you yeah. just can't. You know, you need one guy to be reliable. And so, you know, I mean, they've got Joe Haig on the roster. Does he, you know, can he start at right tackle? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think there's, there's, you know, this is another interesting offseason question to really dig into is what do they do with the offensive line? Because they have poured so much money into it. And, you know, it's it's an underrated part of the offensive struggles over the past few weeks is that the offensive line has not been playing well uh, compared to where they have been. You know, they've still been – right 
you know, league average-ish, but this is not meant to be a league average offensive line. This is meant to be one of the best offensive lines in the league, and they haven't been playing like it since really before the bye week, since the last Cincinnati game. Yeah, I think it started with that Dolphins game, if I could think correctly, the week 10. It's really gone downhill, and um, Kyle Murphy uh, and, and Jake have discussed it on, on, on Jake's podcast um, just about how when a team's not – afraid of your receivers or your passing game everybody from second level is just coming downhill as fast as they can into that box Mm -hmm. and bringing eight nine guys and saying nah nah we're not gonna let nick chubb run for 140 yards today we're gonna make you throw the ball downfield to your guys and you have to do it quickly or we're gonna be in the backfield right on top of your ass type Mm -hmm. situation and that's what's happening right now is that all those guys are just crashing coming downhill in your face immediately Uh, and and you can see it Anybody watching that game can see that that's what all defenses are trying to do, and they're not going to stop until Watson improves, and he better improve quickly. And if he does, then that running game is going to improve drastically. Even though they ran somehow for 174 or five, six yards last week, that still baffles yeah. me. I right. saw that, and I was like, that doesn't that, that doesn't really make sense of what I was watching in that game if they racked up that many yards. Uh, yeah, I don't – yeah, just just have to improve in the passing game very quickly uh, to, to get that heat coming off the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think the story with the running game last week is that it wasn't good, but they just did it a lot, so they ended up with a lot of yards. You know, I mean, that's that can still happen even in the NFL. It's really more of a thing you see in college, but that's that's what it felt like more than anything is because the defense scored so much. You know, they did they had the they had the uh, the luxury of running the ball a ton, even though they weren't that successful uh, down to down with it. It was it was the perfect example of why EPA was created. Exactly. Because exactly. they're you look at a box score and say, oh, they got 174 yards. Right. I'm just making up a thing. Oh, but they had 40 carries. So right. there's they didn't. They're saying there's a zero efficiency. So then right. you bring in EPA and you yeah. say, Oh, well, EPA play was negative, I believe mm-hmm. actually. It was negative last week. It was. So yeah. zero efficiency. Um, just just a that's where box score stats fail and where EPA and if success rates and lines like that come into play. That's what, those were the more reliable metrics that we use today. Well, you know, Cody, we made it to 10 to the hour without even really talking about Deshaun Watson and, and his disappointing start on Sunday and our expectations for him this week. So, I mean, we should do that to close the show out. I think, um, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, as much as he was bad and he was not good, uh, it was really that the offense in general was disjointed. Um, I thought it was a not a great game from Kevin Stefanski play calling wise. I thought the offensive line, as I mentioned, didn't play up to their standards uh, and the running game was inefficient as a result. Um, but, you know, he's the quarterback that they guaranteed $230 million to. So even with all of that stuff being what it is, he still needs to be a lot better than he was. And so, you know, you said earlier, the rust thing is a cliche at this point. It is. It's been over explained and over discussed and over analyzed how you know, how much of that there is and how much of it's the speed of the game and pressure in his face and all of those things. I, you know, I, I don't, I think explaining what happened in Houston is not, you know, going to help us much. The question is what to expect in Cincinnati. And you've, you've said already that you think it's going to be a slow build for him, right? I think so. I, it's not to discount him and not to say that his talent's not still there. I think we saw a little couple little glimpses into it last sure. week. Uh, it was it was like we had the, the the two diamonds inside of a trash can type thing. You know, we saw the little two diamonds in there come through in, in a barrage of just not a good performance. 
But I do think it's going to be gradual. I really do just because of how bad it was. You know, and it, but you have to weigh in also on top of the physical not playing 700 days. He said he felt every play. I'm sure he did. Um, not being able to simulate games, not being hit for, for mm-hmm. two years in the NFL. But you also have to weigh in what was going on between the years for that game sure. as well. You're going back to Houston. You're going back against your old team. You're going to where all these allegations and, and all this stuff happened. You're going back to a team that, I don't want to say gave up on you, but just things didn't work out there. Uh, you, you get your first game back. You got a new offense that you're not 100% comfortable with. You've got receivers you don't have timing down with. You've practiced for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So there's a whole lot of things that are working against him, um, and that's not supposed to be an excuse. I think that's just giving some context as to – how that game went last week. Um, I do expect it to be gradual. I do expect this week that some of the accuracy things, those balls going straight into the dirt, I don't expect to see a lot of those this week. Uh, but I don't know. What What are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's going to be more of a gradual or more of a starting here, big step, big step, big step type thing? I, f- I feel really unprepared to say because I felt like I didn't expect what we saw on Sunday. And so – I, I now I, I'm very much in a place of not knowing what to expect. Um, I expected it to look pretty good from the rip because just of the, you know, uh, I mean, he, he has always kind of been a quarterback that has been praised for his preparation and his uh, training regimen and everything like that, his film study. So I, I kind of thought that he would be fairly ready. And even if it was a little rusty at first, he would settle in pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, I was wrong about that. And so, now it becomes a question of when does that show up? When does the player that you know we we watched on tape from 2020 show up for the Browns? And of course, being Cleveland fans, there's always going to be a nagging doubt that that player never shows up. And and they they gave up a you know a sort of record-setting contract in a, a hall of picks for a player that isn't ever going to be you know uh, what he was in Houston. And that's obviously what's happening in Denver. So it's a concern. Undoubtedly. Uh, it's like you said that, that that cloud of Cleveland Browns fandom, fandom and the doubts just hangs there on you when you see them acquire a player that was at the elite level uh, that had the PR nightmare, the worst you can imagine, pretty much uh, coming to your team, and, and you want them to get back to that level. If you don't have those doubts, and, and that <laughs> I don't know what you've been watching for the past thirty-five years, you right. know what I mean. But I think the little that there's that hope that it's going to happen. He said it as much as himself today in his interviews that you just got to wait for it to click. And when it clicks, it's going to be there. Everybody's going to be like, okay, we're here. We've got it. You know, I just don't, just don't know when it's going to happen. He said, you know, if it's going to happen this week or this week or going forward, it's going to happen. Uh, but it has to work out. Plain and simple, right. it has to because the alternative is not an option because the alternative is a franchise debilitating ending type thing. With the picks you gave up, the money you gave up, that's not an option. So it has to work out. Um, and I think it will, maybe just not in the immediate, the immediacy we wanted it to, is, yeah. is my thinking. And it makes me think then we've got five games left in this season. If we do not see, you know, like a sustained, like a half, I mean, ideally a few games, right? But even if we don't see a half, I mean, I think back to the, the to Baker Mayfield's rookie season. And, you know, they lost that game uh, to the Ravens late in the year. I think it was maybe the last game of the year. It was a, it was a, it was a primetime game, um, but he threw the hell out of the ball in that game. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like that was like enough of a glimpse that we could spend all offseason 
getting ready for 2019 and being, you know, sort of optimistic about what we would find when we got there. I mean, you know, other reasons that fell apart. Um, but, you know, my point here is if we don't see at least a half or a game of that glimpse of the old Deshaun Watson, what is the what is the offseason then like as Browns fans? I think it's even worse if you don't see that glimpse because you saw how much Stefanski was able to get out of Jacoby, how much Stefanski was able to get out of Baker, Case Keenum at times, uh, Nick Mullins. You know, mm-hmm. these quarterbacks that are nowhere near as talented as Watson, if he can't put together some co- sort of sustainable success in this offense under Stefanski with AVP, you're heading into a 2023 that's going to be a disaster. It's going to be, it's going to be an absolute disaster. There's going to, going to be hit pieces all over the place. It's going to be talking about the Browns have just wasted $230 million. They just wasted all these draft picks. They've set their franchise back a decade by a getting this guy. Taken, Vic, right? Victory laps, 100%. Uh, so you hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, yeah, but even if he doesn't, for me personally – I'd still have the hopes for the season. They just wouldn't be quite as high as they should be uh, with the level we've seen them play at. And that's the problem for me that I keep coming back to is that it's not like he's a rookie and we've never seen him perform at a capable level. Everybody saw in 2020 that he was the probably the third best quarterback in the NFL at that time. Mm -hmm. So we know he can do it. It's just getting back to that level. I think it's a win, not an if, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think from here, the expectation is, you know, I I mean, that I think Paul said it best, uh, it will click. It's just a question of when. And, you know, he doubts that it will be as early as Sunday. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. That's where you're at. That's where we are as Browns fans, I think, for the most part. But as the time goes on and the season dwindles away, if we don't see it, it's going to start to, there's going to be a pressure there for him and for us as fans, you know, to, to want to see that player again. And so I think it's an interesting thing to think about as, you know, we've got a, you know, it's five games. So there's, that's, that's a, that's a big number, but it's also a small number, right? Um, exactly. Okay, let's just quickly, before we finish up here, let's just talk about Sunday and what you expect, because I think Philly made a great point here. Um, you know, we've got the defense schemed up. Um, he'll get several big layup opportunities, big plays, easy, big plays. And then he's just got to run the offense efficiently. I think that's a great way of kind of laying out what Cincinnati could look like. Um, you know, I think there's also the, the, the possibility that it looks as erratic as it did on Sunday. And, you know, the Browns defense doesn't play as well as it did in week eight. And the Browns kind of get run out of Cincinnati on Sunday. What do you, what are you seeing? What are you predicting at this point for the game on Sunday? What you just said, I think, sadly, I think, think that that's kind of how I feel and, and, and I 100% understand what OG Philly's saying 100% I think that's what the idea is going to be I yep. think we're at an easier said than done type situation right now with how I mean I was extremely uncomfortable watching that offense like I was anxious watching because I didn't know what was going to happen every time yep. it came to third down obvious passing I was like I don't know what where this ball is going to go what's going to happen to uh, I do think it's going to probably be a two score deficit at the end of the game is is what i predict mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be a, a 31 to oh, 31 16 type score is is what i think i don't think it's going to be pretty uh, i hope i'm completely wrong uh i know the browns have won eight of nine against the Bengals. i know they're undefeated against burrow 
I just don't see it coming together that quickly for this offense to be able to remain in the game and pull out not a miracle win by any, by any means, but pull out a, a highly doubtful win. Yeah. I agree with you uh, for everything, except that I will say that I think that the Browns, you know, get a late garbage time touchdown so that it's not a big spread. Like Probably, the Bills game. Yeah, exactly. Like a 30, yeah. 30 to 23 type situation. Um, and I think, you know, maybe maybe the glimpses that we start to see from Watson are in the second half when, you know, they have to kind of throw to catch up. But I I, I think that, uh, you know, um, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Browns this week. It just just and a lot of that goes to what, where the Bengals are at right now. I mean, you know, the, obviously that was a big win against Kansas City last week. Hopefully maybe there's a little bit of a letdown and they take the Browns a little bit lightly. But I think the history of the two teams means that they won't. And so then, you know, they've been getting asked about it all week in Cincinnati. You know, why do you, why can't you guys beat this team? Why are they so tough on, you know, they're, they're not that good and you guys are good and you're not, you keep losing to them. So they've been, they, they're aware, they know what's going on here. Oh, yeah. So um, I did just want to share this, this, this point from OG Philly. Um, Brissett looked like a train wreck against Carolina and then he looked really smooth against the Jets. And I think that's worth saying, right? That like first game across the league, every year that we say, don't take anything away from the first game of the year. That's last week was Watson's first game of the year. And because, you know, your team goes as your quarterback goes, it was in some ways a second first game of the year for the offense and the, and the team as a whole. So, um, I, but I agree with you, Cody. I think that they're going to get outclassed on, on Sunday in Cincinnati and it's going to kind of put to bed the playoff talk for this year and, and yeah. kind of we're going to start to have those sorts of conversations about next year and, you know, start to really seriously reevaluate the team in the, in the context of what they need to do to be competitive in 2023. Yes, sir. So that that kind of sums it up for us. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul's got a uh, let's get Paul's prediction in there. He's got them losing by two touchdowns. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, not a lot of uh, not a lot of optimism. Maybe it'll change by Sunday. Uh, we hope that the Browns prove us wrong. Let's say that uh, we will be here on Sunday for pregame starting at noon, uh, previewing the game, uh, everything that's to come from Cincinnati, and uh, we'll be here after the game for postgame. So join us for those. Stay tuned to the OBR for everything that uh, breaks between now and then. Article-wise, we'll have lots of coverage of the Browns. And uh, we will see you on Sunday for the game. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns.